Because we're confessing, we're willing to drag into the light our struggles, right? And the problem with falsehood is that if people can't trust what you're saying or trust your words, then you can't really have a strong relationship with them, right? Somebody who just doesn't tell the truth. God is purity. There are no lies mixed with truth, but not us. Sometimes our falsehoods can get us into trouble in our jobs, our relationships. Many times we get away with it. But did we really come away unscathed? As Pastor Daniel teaches today, there is a process of forgiveness we go through with God when we admit our wrongs. But he doesn't want us to stop there. Listen and consider where you need to take the next step to make things right. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, The Trespass Offering. not offensive to God what we are. God still loves us and he sent Jesus to die for us. Don't think for one second that God wasn't completely aware of who and what you are when he sent Jesus to die. Does that make sense? So I say God's offended by the sin, but he grabs hold of our lives in Christ. That's the beauty of God's holiness. He hates our rebellion, but he loves us even greater to draw us to himself in Jesus. So, like the trespass of it, we need to learn how to have a healthy confession. Just agree with God. I am not, God's not finished with me yet. God's not done with me yet. And give each other the room to be in process. Because guess what? Everyone's in process. And what's funny is those of you who walk with Jesus the longest, you realize how big and how much more of the process you have to do, right? So you, those people who walk with Jesus the longest, like, man, God, it's, oh, I think it was John Steinbeck who said that, Getting into someone's heart, it's like peeling an onion. There's always another layer, and it always comes with tears. And no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, you get through one thing, and all of a sudden there's this next big thing, and you're like, man, I thought we were done with that. And the Lord's like, no, man, we haven't even gotten started yet. Because you got rid of that thing, now there's this whole other level that God wants to work on. So like the trespass offering, be okay to confess to one another and pray for one another. Now, if someone comes and confesses to you, just love them. Don't, you don't need the answers. You're not, your job's not to fix them. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to encourage them on, to be their cheerleaders in life. Sometimes say, hey, listen, stop messing around. You're being a knucklehead. And you, you can do that in love too. But our job is not to fix people. Our job is to commit people into the hands of the great physician who fixes people. Does it make sense? So, so this trespass off, it's accompanied by a confession, a verbalizing of this is what I've done to need this offering to be done on my behalf. Now notice, of course, we have the offering is a, a, a female lamb. And that's in verse six right here. A female from the flock, a lamb or kid of the goats as a sin offering, so the priest shall make atonement for him concerning the sin. Now some people were kind of offended that all the offerings 
or male offerings, and now here you go, we get, we get the lady lambs in there too. God takes them all. Now, notice what goes on, because God realizes that not everybody can afford either a lamb or a kid of the goats or, or all these different things. So, of course, God is more concerned with the sinner than the offering. So if people couldn't afford it, there is provision made. Look what it says in verse 7. If he is not able to bring a lamb, he shall bring to the Lord for his trespass, which he has committed to turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. And he shall bring them to the priest who shall offer that which is for the sin offering first and wring off its head from its neck, but shall not divide it completely. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on the, of the sin offering on the side of the altar, and the rest of the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering, and he shall offer the second as a burnt offering according to the prescribed manner. So the priest shall make atonement on his behalf for his sin, which he has committed, and it shall be forgiven him. Now, notice if you can't do a, an animal, you can do either two pigeons or two turtle doves. Now, notice, one has its head completely taken off, and one does not. Now, I would love to give you the great reason why that is, and I have no clue. I read and read and read why, why, why one keeps the head partially on. Notice it says you bring it off, but not all the way off. The other, I don't know. I read a lot of rabbinical commentary on the meaning, and none of it made any sense to me. So I'm just going to leave that as if, put, file that in, like, the when I get to heaven... Lord willing, if I actually think about it, I'll ask. You know, I have a lot of those in my box. Like, I don't really understand this and why this is here and what this means. But if when I get, Lord willing, when I get to heaven, if I actually care at that juncture, I'll ask. So I don't know the answer. So I, there's a lot of speculation out there. I, I was going to write down all the different examples of how it could work, but I just figured that would just be a waste of everyone's time because I don't really understand it really. So why it has to be that way. But we notice that one is offered as a sin offering the other as a burnt offering. Again, it makes atonement. Again, the blood is placed on the altar, all the things that we've already seen. Now in verse 11, if someone can't afford turtle doves or pigeons, you also have the opportunity of another grain offering or a flower offering. Verse 11, but if he is not able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then he who has sinned shall bring for his offering one-tenth of an ephah, a fine flour, as a sin offering. He shall put no oil on it, nor shall he put frankincense on it for it is a sin offering then he shall bring it to the priest and the priest shall take his handful of it as a memorial portion and burn it on the altar according to the offering made by fire to the lord it is a sin offering the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin that he has committed in any of these matters and it shall be forgiven him the rest shall be the priest as a grain offering now one-tenth in ephah now People always say, what exactly is an ephah? Now, from what we understand, a full ephah is about 22 liters, or what would be considered three-fifths of a bushel. So one-tenth is probably a couple liters or a couple quarts of fine flour. So again, if you couldn't afford an animal and you couldn't afford a turtle dove or a pigeon, God will just take regular old flour, okay? Now notice... It's offered pretty much the same way as all of the grain offerings. Now, remember, remember we talked about the grain offerings? In that culture, it was harvesting. And so every time there was an, a harvest, they brought the first fruits to the Lord to remind them that their sustenance was not 
their crop, but the Lord of the harvest. The harvest wasn't what sustained them, but the Lord of the harvest sustained them. So they always gave the first fruits to the Lord. Now, here, remember, part of the portion was given as the offering, and notice God makes provision for the priests from that offering. So the priests actually were able to provide for themselves and their families through some of the offering process. So again, if somebody couldn't afford to bring a lamb or a kid of the goats, God made the, the turtle dove and pigeon provision. If they couldn't do the turtle dove provision, almost anyone could do a couple liters of fine flour. That was very, very common. Even the, the least well-off people had access to that in that culture. So God made a provision for everybody if there was a need for that offering. Now, in verse 14, look at what happens. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, if a person commits a trespass and sins unintentionally in re regard to the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring to the Lord as his trespass offering a ram without blemish from the flocks with your valuation in shekels of silver according to the shekel of the sanctuary as a trespass offering. And he shall make restitution for the harm that he has done in regard to the holy thing and he shall add one-fifth to it and give it to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering. It shall be forgiven him. Now, again, notice it's an unintentional sin. It's when somebody realizes that they did something wrong. It's always run. This offering is always precipitated by the remorse of the person who made the mistake. Like all the offerings, a person comes because they're like, man, I messed up. There's, there's a, a repentance part of it. And then now, of course, we have them bringing an offering and there is also restitution. So now it's not just I messed up. Now it's I did something wrong, like I offended the holy things. I broke something. I did this. I bring this offering and I'm giving another 20%, one-fifth on top of it. So this is, it, you notice, because of this offering, it's escalating what the cost is to the offender. It's an escalating cost. Now restitution is involved in it. So it's a ram plus 20%. Now, in, remember in Exodus 22, we had when fines for stealing, there was an escalation of restitution. Like if you stole a dollar, you had to give a dollar 20. It's the same idea that you're, in some ways you're paying for the, the harm that you did. Not only are you restoring, but you're paying a harm that was done to somebody. So uh, I think we call it in our culture uh, pain and suffering. That's what this is now. Because something's happened, because someone has been offended, not only are we making an offering to, to forgive it, but now we're also giving a pain and suffering type of a restitution situation. Now, in verse 17, if a person sins and commits any of these things, which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he does not know it, yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity, and he shall bring to the priest the ram without blemish from the flock with your valuation as a trespass offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him regarding his ignorance in which he erred and did not know it, and it shall be forgiven him. It is the trespass offering. He has certainly trespassed against the Lord. So, Again, you notice what you have here. You have somebody who comes and they, they did it unintentionally, but they still realize that it's a problem. And so, again, because we didn't realize it happened, we are still culpable for it. Now, as we move into chapter 6, 
The first seven verses, I've always told you, the chapter breaks, they're not inspired by the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit was inspiring the authors, he didn't say, okay, chapter break, number four. So that was put in later. It's interesting. You can, if you ever want, just Google the story on how we ended up with the chapter breaks in our English Bible. It was actually a lot of the, new, the end of the New Testament was done while the guy was riding in a horse and carriage on his way to the printing press. Very fascinating. Very fascinating. So those chapter breaks are not inspired. So sometimes the chapter breaks are just plain in the wrong spot. So if you really wanted to end the trespass offering, you'd really want to go to what is Leviticus chapter 6, verse 7. It's the end of it. And then you'll notice... And we'll take, in, in the upcoming weeks, we'll take all these different things. because They go over all five offerings again, but from the priest's side of things. So we're seeing it now from the offerer side of things. And then in six and seven, we get it from the priest's side of things, which also adds that whole source criticism, source theory that we've been talking about if you've been traveling with us. And if you don't, haven't been, don't worry about it at all. But you could see why some of these theories, whether or not they're true or not, it's a whole other discussion. But we see why some of these theories are there. So continuing on, look at what it says, Leviticus 6, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping or about a pledge or about a robbery or if he has extorted from his neighbor or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it and swears falsely, if any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins, then it shall be, because he has sinned and is guilty, that he shall restore what he has stolen or the thing which he had extorted or what was delivered to him for safekeeping or the lost thing which he found or all that about which he has sworn falsely. He shall restore its full value, add one-fifth more to it, and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. He shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish from the flock, with your valuation as a trespass offering to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. He shall be forgiven for any one of these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. Now you notice the trespass offering now becomes a very specific thing about being neighborly. So notice all these examples. If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by either lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping. Now imagine, maybe something's going on. You're like, hey, I'm going on vacation. Can you take care of my house for me? Here's my, my house keys. And then the neighbor goes and takes something out of it or whatever. You know, notice about a pledge. Maybe said, listen, can you hold on to this for me for whatever reason? You have things like about a robbery. Maybe you knew about what had gone on in your neighbor's house, but you're not being honest about it. If he had extorted from his neighbor, now that sounds pretty terrible, doesn't it? When you're saying, look, you either give me 50 bucks or I'm going to dig up your lawn with my backhoe or something. I don't know. I'm just making that up. Notice, or if he has found what was lost and lied concerning it. So imagine you're like your, your neighbor loses their engagement ring or their wedding ring and you find it and you say, oh, nice. The Lord gave me a beautiful diamond ring. And they say, hey, did you find my wedding ring? And you're like, no. It's pretty lousy, but it happens. And swears falsely if any of these things. So you notice how the, fo the whole focus here is on being honest, putting away falsehood. Now, it's interesting. If you're here on Sunday and we're in Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to talk about falsehood again. Because one of the things that God is doing 
in his people is removing falsehood from our lives. Why? Because we're confessing. We're willing to drag into the light our struggles, right? And the problem with falsehood is that if people can't trust what you're saying or trust your words, then you can't really have a strong relationship with them, right? Somebody who just doesn't tell the truth. Even if, see, if someone comes for and says, hey, look, I'm struggling with being honest, that's one thing. But when people lie, how many of us have lied and then we compound our lie by lying more? Right, we all know, let's just, let's just agree, we all know what that's like, right? Because what happens is you're caught in falsehood, so in order to not be seen for who you really are, then you lie more and more and more. You know, and I once heard growing up that if you always tell the truth, you have to remember what you told somebody because you always told them what the truth was. But it's scary when you start lying, right? Because you have to remember, what did I say to that person? Did I tell them that? Tell them that? And so part of the covenant community is that we be honest, that we don't be false, that we don't lie, that we don't scheme, that we are honest with people, that people can trust that we are who we say we are, that we do what we say we're going to do. And so in all of these cases, and you can imagine any other situation in regards to your neighbors that deals with falsehood, anytime it comes out. But notice, when a man does these things in verse 4, then it shall be because he has sinned and is in guilty, then he shall restore what he has stolen and the thing which he has extorted or whatever happened. Not only that, he shall restore its full value and add one-fifth more to it and give it to whomever it belongs. So now I'm here to tell you this. If you're a liar, if you're false, you can be forgiven still. But you got to make it right. You got to make it right. You have to come and own it. Be like, look, I am a liar. And, and let's be honest, we can all say that, right? Like, like, we should all feel free, like, I am not always truthful. You know, they say a half-truth is a what? A whole lie. Don't you love that one? I don't like that one at all. But it's true. A half-truth is a whole lie. So by confessing, if you're, if you're a liar, and we all are, we've already agreed on that, or I've just assumed that everybody is, right? If we're liars, we can still make it right. By simply coming and saying, look, I wasn't honest in that situation, and make it right. And according to Levitical, this trespass offerings, you, you add the value, plus you add 20% for pain and suffering. It's like, it's a sin tax, really. It's like, I'm a liar, so it cost me 20%. What it's about for God is that we become like Jesus. That's what it's about. That God is changing us from by nature being false to being pure, being real. And as we look back over our lives, we should say, I used to be a much bigger liar than I am now. See, that's what we're looking for because no one's gonna get everything right. We try, and we should try our hardest, but we're gonna fail in a million ways. But we should say, look, I was way more scheming. I was way more false last year, 10 years ago, last month than I am now. You know, I love it. I, when God's working in someone's life, I had a friend, and God was doing these great things in his life. And he would, he would lie, and then he would call himself out. He'd say, I don't know why I just said that. That's a total lie. And it was really sweet, because you're like, and I would just encourage him, like, you're the man. That's what I'd say to him. Because he'd say something, because you know what it's like when you're hanging out with a group of people, and everyone's telling their stories, and you're always, like, trying to up the story, that, that kind of sick part of our, our personalities. It's like, oh, well, you did this. Well, I did this, Right? And, and most of that's all 
lies anyway, right? You're just puffing yourself up so you can hang with the crowd. And this guy, literally, every time you do that, be like, you know, I don't know why I just said that. That's a total lie. Will you guys like me still if I didn't do all these crazy things I'm telling you I did? It was so beautiful because he was calling himself out on his own falsehood. I think some of us need to start doing that. Just out yourself. Every time you say something a lot, it'll feel weird, but in, in the beginning, everyone will be like, whoa, whoa, And then after a while, they're going to start thinking it's very cute that you do that. So it becomes endearing. Like, let, let it work for you. You know what I mean? But it's like, there's something beautiful about outing yourself on the garbage that we have. And so this friend, it's, it's totally cool how God used that because I would be like, man, I love how humble this guy is. He starts telling a story, he's not being honest, he just outs himself. He said, that would have been a great story, wouldn't it? And start laughing. I'm like, that would have been a great story. But it wasn't true. It was false. It was false. And so, brothers and sisters, listen, let's let God purify us and make us like Jesus. And God ain't a liar. He's not man that he would lie. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember in John 14? He said, look, if it were not true, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus, what makes Jesus who he is is his purity. He's unmixed. And God wants to make us unmixed as well. And the best way to do it is just to drag it into the light. If you've been lying to people, been lying to your spouse, been lying on the job, just come clean about it. Just be okay. Be like, look, I'm sorry. I've realized that I was being shady. And you know what? God's doing to work at me. Can you forgive me? Now, don't get me wrong. Certain things that you do when you're shady, you might lose your job over. Straight up. But you know what? But at least you came correct on it. Because God asks us to be faithful. God asks us to be faithful. And I honestly believe that if we lose our job for being shady, but we're being faithful to the Lord, God's going to provide another job. And you're being a great witness, too. Because you're saying, look, I'm sorry. I've been wrong. I haven't been honest. So God wants us to be people. God wants us to be people who are like him. And the only way to do that, again, is to confess it, is to bring it out into the open. And I want to just close with this verse. You think about all this focus on confession. Listen to 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm going to read that again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does all mean? It means all. So listen, brothers and sisters, for some of us, we need to confess our sins to God for the very first time tonight and get saved. When you agree with God that you have failed and that God has taken care of it in Christ, that, that one time that we call that justification, when you say, look, God, I agree with you. I need help. You sent Jesus. I put my faith and trust in that. Jesus is If you're like me, you forget things all the time. Well, here's Pastor Daniel with something that will help you remember. 
Hey everyone, Pastor Daniel here. I don't know about you, but life is busy and it's so easy to forget things. Now, thankfully, I have a couple of wonderful ladies in my life that join me in helping to accomplish all that God has called me to. Of course, I think of my beautiful bride, Lynn. She keeps me on track in so many ways. And then of course, there's my ministry assistant, Margaret, here at Crossroads. She helps me to make sure that my schedule in the ministry is running smoothly. Now, I love how God uses these ladies and so many other people to help remind me of what's important. One of the easiest things to forget isn't daily things like the schedule. It's actually the most important thing. It's the fact that God is real and he is in heaven and he is with me all the time, wherever I go. It may sound silly, but I started wearing a bracelet that says real on it. This bracelet is a constant reminder to me that Jesus is real and that God's grace is real and his mercy and his love has been poured out into my life. And I wanna make this bracelet available to you as well. Here's Josh with some information about how you can get your very own real bracelet. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. To receive your very own real bracelet, check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. These handcrafted leather bracelets are available to anyone who supports Jesus Is Real Radio through the month of January with a gift of $20 or more. Again, to receive your very own real bracelet, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Again, that's JesusIsRealRadio.com. Please join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.